Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Well, praise the Lord. That's great singing today. I am looking for Cleo or Leo and Sandy Price. Are they in here today? Where are they at? Stand up back there, would you? They are celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. Stand up so we can congratulate you. All the way up. Stand up. They don't hear me. Somebody pinch them. Make them stand up so we know who they are. There we go. There we go. Let's give them a hand. Great. Congratulations. I'm sorry? Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We are celebrating with you. Congratulations. Good. All right. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter 11, if you'll turn there with me. Wonderful singing today. And um, I am glad to be in the house of the Lord. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Good. Hebrews 11. We've been in this passage and uh, looking at different um, uh, different uh, men that uh, lived by faith. What a, an exciting passage of Scripture. Hebrews 11, you can read through all these wonderful men and women of God that lived a life of faith. We call it the, the uh, Hall of Faith in the Bible, or the chapter of faith. And uh, I want us to turn to, if you would, to uh, verse number 33. Verse number 33, <clears throat> and uh, we've looked at verse number 32, I believe, last couple weeks, and we looked at uh, a man by the name of Gideon, and verse number 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Now, I want you to circle that, that word faith, who through faith. This is not those with their own might or those through their own strength, but those with faith or through faith. Who is that faith in? That faith is in God. That faith is not in their own um, mind or in their own intellect or their own strength. That their faith in God, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They'd wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of this earth. And these all, having obtained a good report, what's the Bible say? Through faith, through faith, received the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they with, uh, without us should not 
be made perfect. Look with me in Hebrews verse number six, as, uh, chapter 11, verse number six as well. This is a verse many of us would know. The Bible says this about faith, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Jesus said this, the just shall live by faith. And the Bible talks much of faith. And we're commanded to live by faith. We're commanded to trust the Lord. But what, what happens when it seems that faith isn't enough? What happens when we pray and it seems like our prayers go unanswered the way that we ask? What happens? Because there's a lot of people that want to live by faith. And there's a lot that wonder, why doesn't God answer prayer the way that we ask? I believe that he can. Or, or why doesn't God get me out of this situation that I'm asking him to get me out of? I pray that he can. Why doesn't God cure every single person that we pray that God would cure of cancer? We believe that he can. Why does God choose to allow some? It seems like prayer can be answered. Our church prayed for the Kaminsky baby, the little baby Decker. And he um, was, was born very premature. And I saw a picture of him not long ago, and he was already up to five pounds. Why would God seem to answer that prayer, but not, not answer other prayers than we ask for his help? Is it always a lack of faith? Look with me in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 36. The author of Hebrews writes this before coming into chapter number 11. He writes this in verse number 36 of chapter 10. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Look, look what he says here. For ye have need of patience. In verse number 39 of the same chapter, go back there with me. Verse number 39. <clears throat> the Bible tells us this. And these all having obtained a good report through faith, but some the Lord delivered. We read from verse number 33 down through verse number 40. In the beginning of what we read, we read of those that had great victories because of faith. We, we read of those that have great uh, victories and subdued kingdoms and, and wrought righteousness. And then, and then the Bible says this, in others, in others, look with me in verse number 35, women receive their dead, raised to life again. What a wonderful thing. But then others were tortured. Others were stoned. So what happens when it seems that faith isn't enough. Now, there is, I believe that all of us, we are living in end, end times. I, and I, I think if you are a student of the Bible, you'd have to agree, we are living in perilous days. If you were to study the book of 2 Timothy, Paul in chapter number 3 is telling Timothy when perilous times come, and he gives Timothy a whole list of what it's going to look like. And I'm saying to you, brother and sister, there is, we are living in the last days. There, there is nothing else in that list that Paul gives Timothy that needs to take place. We live in those days today. And we need to have a strong faith in these days. 
We don't have a strong faith just when God is answering our prayer, but we need to have a strong biblical faith, a mature faith, in order for us to, to live this life that is pleasing to the Lord. I want to give us three things here today on this topic of biblical faith or mature faith. And I want you to write these things down, if you would, please, today. Number one, would you write this down someplace in your notes or in your heart? Mature faith believes in the supernatural power of God. Mature faith, biblical faith, believes in the supernatural power of God. How many believe that God can do anything? Would you say amen? amen. I believe it. I believe that God can do anything that God chooses to do. We believe in the supernatural power of God. This list that we read, this first few verses, the Bible talks of, of Gideon and, and Barak and Samson and, and David and Samuel. And then he says, through faith, they subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness and obtained promises and stopped the mouths of, of lions. Uh, that one there, Daniel, who stopped the mouths of lions, the story of Daniel. What a, what a wonderful story of faith. Daniel was told not to pray, but Daniel still continued to pray, even though he was told that he was going to be cast into the lion's den if he continued to pray. But what did Daniel do? Daniel believed in God. And as they placed Daniel in that lion's den, what happened? God stopped the mouths of those lions. Daniel should have been eaten. Dan Daniel should have been devoured. But Daniel had faith, believing in the supernatural power of God. We read the story of those three Hebrew boys. I love the story of uh, uh, those three boys who were placed in a foreign land and, and they were told to bow before that, uh, that, 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 that image of Nebuchadnezzar, but they, they chose not to bow. But they knew the punishment was they were going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose not to bow. And they were placed in that fiery furnace. And they said this, that we will not bow. And we believe that God will deliver us. You know what? They believed in the supernatural power of God. It makes no sense to be thrown into a fiery furnace. Those that threw them into the furnace, the furnace was so hot that the ones that threw them in, they died from the heat. That Nebuchadnezzar in just a few moments looked and saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he also saw one other. He saw four. He said, didn't we, see, didn't we only throw three in? Why do I see four? And the fourth looks like the Son of God. They were loosed and they were walking around. And, and probably one of the most supernatural things that we find in the reading of that story is that they were placed in this fiery furnace, and when they came out, they didn't die, they weren't burned, and they didn't even smell like smoke. Supernatural power of God. How about David and Goliath? Would you agree that David, the story of David and Goliath, is a, a supernatural story of the power of God? All of Israel is afraid of this man named Goliath? I stood there in that field where David and Goliath battled each other, and, and uh, they, they allowed us to pick up stones. I found one with a little red blood on it, and I'm not sure where that came from, but I have it in my office. But um, I picked up a stone from that very field. 
And, and to think that, that that young boy who who was just a young man, he wasn't trained in military yet, he comes to this place where he hears Goliath cursing the living God, and he steps out when everyone else is afraid, and everyone else thinks that Goliath is too big. He walks out and says, Goliath is not bigger than my God. I believe that God will deliver me. And he came out and did what no other man would do that day. He had faith. And we see the supernatural power of God. One stone hits the head of that giant Goliath. And he comes tumbling down. Do you believe in the supernatural power of God? Do you believe that God is still working? This is not a story and this is not a chapter of those that have lived in yesteryear, but this is what God is wanting out of his children today to live by faith, believing. I remember the story of Peter. Remember when Peter was placed into the prison and the church was there praying that God would deliver Peter. And in the middle of that night, Peter is miraculously set free from jail. He just walks out of jail. All because God delivered him. God supernaturally answered prayer. And I believe this, that God can do anything that he chooses to do. Do you believe that this morning? You see, mature faith believes in the supernatural power of God. Number two, I want you to write this down. In verse number 35, we find this. Women receive their dead, raised to life again. And then we find the story changes. We find a celebration of all of these men that did wonderful things and, and all of these women that did wonderful things by faith. God did wonderful uh, uh, things through their faith. And then we find this. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had Trials of cruel mockings and scourging, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder or cut in two. They wandered about in the sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Why does God seem to answer some and bless some and deliver some? Why did God choose to deliver Daniel, but not another saint or not another brother, maybe someone like Stephen who was stoned? Why did God choose to deliver and answer the prayers of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? But he allowed Paul to be killed there in Rome? Mature faith believes in the supernatural power of God. And I want you to write this down as well. Mature faith bows to the sovereign purposes of God. Mature faith believes in the supernatural power of God. You know what that simply means? We believe that God can. He can do anything. But also mature faith or biblical faith, the faith that we must have today to live for God, it bows to the sovereign purposes of God. You see, we love exciting victories, don't we? 
I love in the, in, the, in the Sunday school, I'm sure they're hearing of all these wonderful victories. I love, and when I was growing up in Sunday school, we learned of, of, of David and Goliath. We learned of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We learned of the crossing of the Red Sea. We learned of the, the plagues then that, that delivered the, the Israelites out of bondage. We learned of all these wonderful things, and we love exciting victories. But sometimes... Exciting victories don't always come in our life. The Bible says some are stoned. I think of some like the prophet Zechariah who preached what God told him to preach. Yet he died because he was stoned. Why would God deliver Daniel but not deliver Zechariah? The reason why is because mature faith bows to the sovereign purposes of God. You know what? Believing this, that God knows best. God can do anything he chooses to do. That's his supernatural power. God can heal who he chooses to heal. And God can also choose not to heal. And if he chooses not to heal, he knows what's best. God can choose to deliver uh, uh, Gideon with just uh, 300 men. They can go and, 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 and see a great victory against the enemies of Israel. And God can also choose because of his sovereignty to do something maybe we didn't expect him to do. Stephen, could you imagine Stephen, the first martyr there in the New Testament, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he was stoned for it. Why is that fair? Peter preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, was placed in the jail, and Peter was released. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul, there was a time in his life where he was beaten and placed in jail for preaching the gospel there in Philippi, and he was released. Why is it that Stephen was stoned? Why is it when we read chapter number 11, we read of great victories, and then we come to the place, and some were tortured? Some were stoned. Some had to face cruel mocker, uh, uh, mockings and, and scourgings, and, and some were imprisoned, and, and some died by the edge of the sword. If you were to read through history, you would find that God has chosen to deliver so many. God has chosen to bless so many. God has chosen to answer so many prayers. And in other times it seems like God doesn't. Do we lose our faith? Do we stop believing in God? When God doesn't answer the prayer the way you want it answered, do you stop trusting God? Do you start doubting God? You see, mature faith, it bows to the sovereign purposes of God. It understands that God always knows what's best. As we uh, raise children, you know what? I love to see our children mature. If your kids grow older in age, but not in maturity, you come to a place where you start to question some things. I, I love, one of the things I love watching and raising children is as they grow, as they mature, as they see things differently, as they begin to recognize things in life and they become mature and they make good decisions based upon that maturity, as a parent, you look and you, you just think, what a wonderful thing that is. I don't have to watch them every second. 
I don't have to be there every moment because I'm the only one that's going to make a good decision. They're maturing, and so they're going to make good decisions. And as we as children of God mature, our faith ought to mature as well. Recognizing this. Number one, that God can do anything that God wants to do. He is supernatural. He is powerful. He is God. And secondly is this, we bow to his sovereign purpose. Sometimes we don't understand why God does what he does, but we believe that he is still God. The ancient leaders took great joy in torturing Christians. If you were to read uh, books like Fox's Book of Martyrs, you would read where they would take Christians and have great joy in persecuting Christians and killing Christians. Rome took great joy in taking Christians and placing them in coliseums and having animals uh, uh, torture them and have uh, animals just rip them apart and take their life. Gladiators would come and destroy and defeat and kill these Christians. Christians would have to battle against each other. They, they took great joy. They would take and, and burn great uh, uh, Christians for, for simply believing in Jesus Christ. They would, they would cut them in two. Ancient leaders took great joy in torturing Christians, but these Christians decided that their faith was in God, not in the circumstance. Warren Wiersbe said this, you better not try to get your theology from circumstances. If you do, you will come to the conclusion that God doesn't love you. He says, don't get your theology from circumstances because if you just look at circumstances, you'll come to the wrong conclusion. Did God only love the ones in Hebrews chapter 11 that he gave great victory to? Or did he love the ones that were sawn asunder as well? Did he only love the ones that were able to see a great victory in the lion's den? Or did he love the ones that were killed by the edge of the sword? Did he only love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but he didn't love those that were dipped in boiling uh, oil because they would not reject Jesus Christ? No, the answer is this, that God loved every one of them. But God had a different purpose in every one of their lives. And that is a place of maturity that most of us need to come to, that God can do whatever God chooses to do in our life, and He's still perfect, He's still holy, He is still just, and our faith needs to be mature enough to believe that He is a sovereign God, knowing what's best. In John chapter 11, one of my favorite books and uh, chapters in the Bible, I use this often at, at funerals. John chapter number 11, coming uh, into verse number 5, the Bible says this, that Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and their brother Lazarus. He loved them. The Bible tells us this. Before we even know what the chapter is going to bring, we understand it clearly says Jesus loved these three. Yet in the same chapter, in verse number 14, the Bible says this, that they were told, Jesus was told that Lazarus was going to die, that Jesus waited two extra days to go to Lazarus, and then La Jesus says this, I am glad for your sake that Lazarus is dead. 
Now, that statement in verse number 14 and that statement in verse number 5, they don't seem to add up if we just take them based upon circumstance. If you loved Lazarus, if you loved Martha, if you loved Mary, then you would do whatever they asked you to do so they wouldn't have pain. Yet Jesus says this, I'm glad for your sake that I was not there. Why? Because there was something that God was going to do greater through this, through, through raising Lazarus than by just simply going and seeing him healed from his sickness. I preached on that a few weeks back. I want you to write this in your heart someplace. God has not promised that he will not, that we will not know difficulty. He promised that we will know ultimate victory, though. God never promised that we will not know difficulty. What He promised, though, is ultimate victory. He never promised that you won't face death. He promised, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you will have eternal life. He never promised you that you never will get sick. What He promised you in eternity because of Christ will never be sick again. He never promised here on this earth that we'll never shed a tear. What he promised is this, that when we come to eternity because of Jesus Christ, that God will wipe away all of our tears. See, sometimes we get it confused. We think that God is supposed to do everything that we want him to do on this side to prove that he is God. But we need to have mature faith understanding this, that God knows what is best. My question is this, do you trust him? Go with me to Romans 8, if you would please. Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8, verse 35. And Paul is writing to the Roman Christians, and he says this in verse number 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He asked this question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? He says, what, what's going to separate you? Are these things going to separate you? You know, Paul is asking this question, but unfortunately so often in our lives, when these things come, we run from God. I've pastored long enough to know this. When difficulties come, many a people get upset and they, they run from God. There are many people that should be in church today that aren't in church today, that aren't walking with God today because some trial came, because some difficulty came. And because of that, they've, they've walked away. They've gotten upset with God. They thought that God has left them. They thought that God, they can't trust God. But I want you to see something that God, his mature faith says, I can trust God even when I don't understand. And so Paul says to the church, what is going to separate you from the love of God? What can? Look with me in verse number 36 of Romans 8. As it is written, for, they, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But look what he says in verse number 7. But nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He promised not to leave us, but, 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 but uh, he never promised that we won't go through difficulty. 
He'll never leave you in the difficulty, but he never said you won't go through difficulty. Now hear me today, please. Because everyone in this room, you've either been there or you will be there. Not every single thing you want God to do, He's going to do. Some, He's going to choose to, to, to answer a prayer. He's going to choose to, to comfort. He's going to choose to supply. And that's His choice. And we need to believe, we need to pray in every situation that God is supernatural, that God can do it. No matter what, God can. And then we need to believe this, that He's sovereign. And don't miss what I said, we need to bow. That means this, we accept He is a sovereign God. We accept what He chooses to do in our life. I'm reminded of the man John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter number 11, verse number 11, Jesus said this, Jesus said this of John the Baptist, there was not a greater uh, uh, man born among women than John the Baptist. That's what Jesus said about John the Baptist. What a great man he was. John the Baptist was a man of God. He preached that the Messiah was coming. He, he, he uh, was the one that baptized Jesus Christ. He baptized with the, with the, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. And now the Bible tells in this chapter of chapter 11 that John is in prison. Th this is the same one that, that saw Jesus coming, proclaimed that he was the Messiah. This is the same one that had the strength and the power the, that, to, to live for, for God and serve God even in difficult days. But then we find in Matthew chapter number 11, verses 2 and 3, we find where John is in a place that he's in prison and he begins to say this, is, is, is he really the Messiah? He says to his disciples, go and find out, is Jesus really the one? Now remember, he just baptized Jesus not long ago, proclaiming that he's the one. He says of Jesus, and I'm not even fit to, 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 to tie your sandals. He says, I, I, I know this is the Messiah. He proclaimed he's the Messiah. What changed circumstances? John now finds himself in a prison cell. And look with me. As a matter of fact, let's go there. Matthew chapter number 11. Because I want you to see what... Jesus gives the answer. Look with me in verses four and look, verse number four. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. Jesus said, I want you to go remind John. Remember, John is distressed. Is he really the one? Look in verse, verse 3. John said, go to Jesus. He said to his disciples, art thou he that should come and do? We look for another. Are you the one or we wasted our time is what he's saying. What changed? Circumstances changed. Where John found himself, now he's saying, Jesus, are you the one? Have I wasted my time? Am I in this, in this jail for, for no reason? And look at Jesus' answer. He says, I want you to go and I want you to tell John. These are the things that you hear 
And these are the things that you see. Verse 5, the blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The leopards are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached unto them. He said, go tell John this. Don't, don't, don't get to verse number six yet. But he says in verse number five, go tell John this. I'm watching him. He, the, 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 those that are sick are being healed. He is the Messiah. Look at the miracles he's doing. And then he says this in verse number six. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. You know what Jesus is saying to John? I can do all that I want to do. And don't you get offended when I don't do what you want me to do. Bow to the sovereignty of God. Are you offended today? Because God isn't doing what you want him to do? How, he want, how you want him to do it? It doesn't mean that God's not God. That was his first response to John is, look, you tell me, am I the Messiah? The blind are seeing and the deaf are hearing and the lame are walking and the dead are being raised and the gospel is being preached. To, uh, you tell me, am I the Messiah? Then don't get offended when I don't do things the way you want them done. Oh, listen to me. Listen to me. Some of you are just sitting there thinking, I don't know if this message is for me. It's for all of us today. Because as long as God is doing what we want and everybody's healthy and everything is good and there's money in the bank and our 401k is okay and our job is secure and our kids are healthy and my marriage is okay and my car starts and, and the bills are paid and I'm living in the house I want and, and as long as all of these things are good, I'm good with God. And I believe that God can do all of these things. I ask him every day to bless my home, and he does. And I ask him every day to bless my finances, and he does. And I ask him every day to bless my children, and he does. But what if God chooses not to? Is he still God? That's what God is saying here to John the Baptist. John, I am God. Look what I've done. Don't get offended don't give up faith. There are some here today, you might be at the, at, the, at the edge of being offended. God, why don't you answer this prayer? I've been praying this for years. God, this is what I'm asking you to do. And I believe that you can. And guess what? He can. But just because he can doesn't mean he will. Just because he can does not mean that he will. And if he chooses not to, it doesn't mean that he's not God. And we are to worship him just like if he would answer it, we'd worship him. And we are to bow to his sovereignty and to his will when he chooses not to answer it as well. This is where we must be. But I'll be honest with you, this is a tough place to be. Because many a times we find us in a place where we're asking God to do something and God chooses not to do it. And hear me, Christian, there's times I don't want to rejoice in that. There's prayers that I ask God for and he chooses not to answer or he answers it a different way than I want. But he is still God and he is still worthy and he is still holy and he is still just and he still demands our praise. Hebrews chapter number 11 gives us a list of people 
they were having faith and they saw great victory. And then we come to a list where they don't have victory seemingly. But guess what the Bible says? They still have great faith. Is your faith strong even when God doesn't answer your prayer? You see, we must trust God realizing this. You know what Jesus was telling John in, in Matthew 11? I am not limited. It does not mean that I don't love you. It does not mean that I don't care. It just means this. I want you to trust that I have a greater plan. We need to come to the place, Christian, in our life that we are trusting that when God chooses to do it differently than we do, he's got a greater plan. We must come to the conclusion by faith, realizing that God's way is always better. Do you trust him? Daniel chapter 3. If you were to look at this for sake of time, we won't. But if you were to go to Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, you know what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says? He's able. We believe that he will. But if he doesn't, Matter of fact, go there, because I want you to write this down in your, in your notes. Daniel chapter 3. I want you to write this down. I want you to underline this in your Bible and put this in a place that you see it often. When you come to the place that God doesn't answer your prayer, this is the response that we must have. Daniel chapter 3. Look with me in verse number 18. Let, let's, go to, let's go to verse 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. You know what they're saying? This is our point number one. God is supernatural, and he is powerful. And he will deliver us out of the hand of, the, uh, out of thy hand, O king. That's what he's saying in verse number 17. They're proving point number one. But in verse number 18, they're saying point number two. And you, you mark these three words. But if not... But if not, you know what they're saying? He can, but he doesn't have to. And he's still God. But if not, this is their response. Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. What were they saying? We are not going to base our faith in the Lord upon circumstances. We've already made our decision. He's God. And he can do this. And when they said in verse number 18, it's not a show of lack of faith. It's an understanding of this. We're asking him this. We know he can deliver us. Throw us into this fiery furnace and we will not perish. Why? Because our God is in control. But if he allows us to perish, it has nothing to do with his control. We still trust his sovereignty. It's just simply that he chose not to, to do what he could do but we're still not bowing to you, O king. We are trusting God. Oh, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if all of us today in this place, in our church, all of us that attend or members of Monclover Road Baptist Church, children of God that know Jesus Christ as our Savior would have this kind of faith. I believe that God can heal. I believe that God can save. I believe that God can take that child and save that child. I believe that that little baby can be born premature and it can live by God's grace. I believe that God could cure cancer. I believe that God 
God can heal the sick. I believe He can because He's God. But if He chooses not to, He is still God. That's the faith we must come to. See, this takes him from being a genie that he just answers our wishes. And he's God who knows all in his sovereign. It's trusting that he has a greater plan. And do you trust that he has a greater plan? Listen to me, Christian, today. Don't quit just because God isn't willing to do what you ask him to do. Let me say that again. Don't quit just because God isn't willing to do what you ask him to do. Could you imagine a righteous, holy creator of this universe having depend upon us to decide what to do? I'm so glad that I serve a God that's smarter than me. I'm so glad that I serve a God that's wiser than I am. I'm so glad I serve a God that is holy and just and pure and that knows all, that knows the beginning from the end, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm so glad that Ed is our God. I'm so glad that God doesn't call me for counsel. I'm so glad that God doesn't need me and need my help. I'm so glad that we have a God that is perfect, that is just, that is holy, that is right every single time, and that we can trust Him. You see, a mature faith bows to the sovereign purposes of God. Are you willing to let God be God? But if not, is that same in Daniel 3, but if not, is the same that we find in Hebrews and others. Oh, these were blessed. These had victory and others were killed. Our faith is that God knows what is best and we trust him to do it. Is that your prayer today? Is that your faith today? That God knows what is best and that you trust him to do it? And then lastly, my time is done. Would you write this down? Number three, go with me back to our text verse, Hebrews chapter number 11. In verses 39 and 40, the Bible says, and these all having obtained a good report through faith. Don't miss verse number 39. What is he saying? Daniel, Gideon, the, the, the three Hebrews, Abraham, Rahab, Samson, all of these ones that had a great report and the others that were sawn asunder, the others that were stoned, the others that were killed by the edge of the sword, and these all, every one of them, having obtained a good report through faith. They all had faith. Receive not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Would you write this down someplace, please? Mature faith is based on the settled promises of God. Mature faith is based upon the settled promises of God. I believe that God is supernatural and can answer prayer. I believe that God is sovereign and I will bow to him no matter what he chooses. And mature faith says, I, mature faith is based on the settled promises of God. Faith has an eye on eternity. We sang of it today. Our salvation is in Jesus Christ. The good things of this life will fail you, but God's promises are always true. You, you mark this down. Sickness is going to come. 
death is going to come. And as much as we don't like it, as much as we don't want a part of it, you know what's going to happen? Pain is going to come in this life. It's going to happen. We can try to avoid death, but guess what we're going to find at some point? We're going to find ourselves at the casket of someone that we love. Or someone is going to find themselves while we're there at that place of death. It's going to come. Sickness is going to come. The good things of this life is going to fail us, but God's promises are always true. You know what I'm saying today? Salvation is there. Heaven is real. Heaven is not a fairy tale. It is not something that we just tell ourselves to convince ourselves to get through difficult times. No, heaven is real for those that have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Eternity is real. We will not find everything in this life. Everything that we want is not going to be found. All happiness, all joy is not going to be found here in this life. Our greatest, our greatest treasure is not found in this life. Our greatest treasure is found in the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where our faith must be. Isn't it crazy how many people, when economy goes bad, how many people start getting worried and scared? You've read of the stories as well back in the 30s. People are jumping off of buildings and out of windows because they lost everything in the stock market. Suicide is at an alarming rate because people come to the place where they feel like there's no more hope. Some are trying to find peace and joy and happiness in the things of this world only to come to the place where they're not going to be, they're not going to find it there. I love the anniversary of the prices. What a wonderful thing, 60 years. But there's some in this room that you loved your spouse and your spouse loved you and you didn't make it to 60 years. And it isn't because God doesn't love you. And it isn't because God is showing favoritism to the prices and not to you. It is that God is in control and that He knows what's best. And we must come to the place in our, in our faith that is mature, believing that it, God's promises are settled. God has not forgotten His promise. You may be going through a circumstance today in your life that seems bleak and seems hopeless, and you wonder sometimes, where is God? Every promise that He has made in His book is still true. He is never going to leave you nor forsake you. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. And when you close your eyes on this side of eternity and you open your eyes on that side of eternity, it is not going to be based upon what you've done or your good works or religion or, or the type of life you lived, but it's going to simply come down to this. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? And if so, eternity is yours. God's promises are true. So mature faith is based on the settled promises of God. 
Mature faith believes in the supernatural power of God. In mature faith or biblical faith bows to the sovereign purposes of God. So church, my question today is how's your faith? How's your faith? You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.